This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Ugh. Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello! anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. That's right. Today is my birthday, February 13th. I was luckily born in the 80s, 1981, which makes me 36 years old. Oh, I feel every day of that 36 years old, too. I uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, it's funny. When I was a kid... You know, and I'd tell people, oh, yeah, I'm born in like 1981. They'd be like, oh, my God, you're born in the 80s. Like, that's so crazy, man. And I always wished that I was born in the 70s, you know, because that was like cool. You know, the 80s were lame. Now I'm like, thank God I'm born in the 80s. So I don't have to say, yep, uh, it's a 79 because that would make me feel even older. But regardless, uh, birthdays are always fun, except when you have a birthday in the middle of February and you live in Canada. Because believe me, and I remember all my birthdays, there's never been a nice day on my birthday. There's always some kind of brutal snowstorm. Um, I'm recording this, well, I'm recording this the night before. It's February 12th, to be honest. Uh, and of course, we had like a crazy blizzard today. I was driving around the city and it was just a mess. And that's just what is normal for my birthday. Uh, if you guys want to buy me a birthday present, and I know some people have reached out, which is very nice of you. You don't have to get me anything, but if you want to, I do appreciate it. So what I did is I made an Amazon wish list. So if you want to check out my wish list and send me something uh, that's on my list or anything at all, um, you can go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash bday, B-D-A-Y, and that will be where my Amazon list is. If you guys want to buy me something, that would be really, really cool. Today, we have a great show. Let's talk about that. Mr. Scott Vogel of the legendary hardcore band Terror, also of my favorite hardcore band of all time, Buried Alive. He is on the program. Scott is one of the most famous people in hardcore, definitely. One of the biggest personalities. Um, Vogelisms is a thing we talk about in this podcast, and you never know what he's going to say on stage. And he having him was a real treat. I'm really, really glad he was able to take the time, especially with some of the stuff going on in his life. Um, ah, geez, I mean, you'll hear it all. It's a great talk. We get very personal into a lot of things going on with him and his childhood. 
and music and hardcore and everything else. And thanks again, Scott and Biggie, his manager, for setting all this up. Before we get into that, as always, thank you for the feedback. I love it. Uh, I love hearing from you guys, whether it's on Instagram, which we have, at Lead Singer Syndrome, whether it's on Twitter, which is really easy to just shoot a message over to me, at Lead Singer Sin, S-Y-N. And of course, we have old-fashioned email if you want to send me an email. I try to get back to everybody. I get a lot of emails, but I do read them all. And that email address is leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. As I mentioned, sure, buying me a birthday gift would be really, really sweet. But what I really want you guys to do is check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. Now, we just launched this a couple months ago. We have about 160 members, and these are kind of like the super fans of the show. So if you find yourself listening to the show once a week, and maybe you want a little more. Maybe you want more episodes. You want bonus content. You want to hear some of the unedited episodes that I've done. Maybe you want to interact with some of the other super fans of the show on the Facebook page we have. I'm on there posting every day. I do a Q&A all the time where I go on Facebook Live and I play some tunes and we hang out on there. It's really a lot of fun. And for as little as $6 a month, you can join up and really just help the show, you know, contribute to keeping the lights on, paying for some of the fees we have, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So check out, all I want you to do is check out the website, okay? I don't want to harp on it. I know every week I'm going on and on about the All Access Club, and I don't want to bore you guys. So just go to the website, check it out. It is leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. Read it, read the perks, read what you can get for as little as $6 a month. It is cool. It is a lot of fun. And if you want more, don't worry, the show will always be free. But if you want more and don't mind paying a small fee every month, we got it for you right there. So again, it's leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. In other news with me, I am currently on a writing rampage, a writing bonanza. That's something like Scott Vogel would say. And I, um, one time I saw them play and he said, I want to see a mosh pit bonanza. That's what he said. And I laughed my ass off. And Vogel is amazing. God, I'm excited for this for this so much. But I have been writing so many Silverstein songs. It's, man, we're, we're, we're going to be doing the studio thing real soon. I'm really, really excited about it. I know a lot of people listen to this are fans of Silverstein. So I wanted you guys to hear that information first. That yes, we are writing. And yes, we will be recording a new record. And the shit we're writing is pretty damn cool, if I do say so myself. Anyways, hey, enough about me. Let's jump in to this week's episode and my conversation with Mr. Scott Vogel of Terror. This is Scott. What's up? Hey, Scott. How are you, man? <laughs> Not bad. Dude, it's uh, Shane. Lead Singer Syndrome How's it? podcast. Here we go. How's it sound? How's it sound? I, you got, s- do you sound perfect? You sound like you're, you're <laughs> sitting right beside me. It's great. I've got I got little headphones on, so I nice. didn't know if that was going to be bad. No, no, dude. This is, uh, this is perfect. Uh, how's, how was Mexico? That was cool. I'm glad to be back, though. I mean... You know, I'm I'm at that point in my life where I like being home. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long were you there for? Uh, just like, uh, like two weeks. 
Oh, that's pretty good. Was it what kind of a trip do you do? I mean, like guys like us, we've been everywhere. We've seen a lot of shit. So I kind of wonder what you're trying to get up to when you take two weeks in Mexico. Is it like relaxation? Do you want to see some shit? Like what what's going on with, with Scott Vogel on, on uh, vacation? You know, there was uh, uh are we rolling here? Are we? Yeah, are dude, we we're, going? We're going. It's always well, I, on. I, I think I'm gonna blow your mind then because can't wait. I, I don't know if if uh, this is putting a, too much out there right away, but we might as well just get some cool shit going in the podcast. So yeah, uh, the the truth is, I, it wasn't a vacation. Um, I had a surgery on my neck. Um, about may may 2016 i uh we were we were in europe and i knew that the day i'd get home i'd have surgery so uh and i just have some uh i had some well i guess i still have some some uh herniated discs in my neck from years and years of hardcore and jumping around and sure sleeping wherever and flights yeah. and being yeah. an idiot on stage and not knowing <laughs> not not understanding that i'm now a middle-aged man acting like a child on stage <laughs> so the you know the 15 years of terror and whatever i did before that caught up to me and i went into this surgery doing uh, something called a uh posterior so from the back decompression yeah where they they shave some of the bone that is in the way which is pushing the nerve the disc is pushing on the nerve so i woke up from the surgery and let's just say it didn't really give me the relief that i was hoping for right so um and it's like almost a year ago right this is may of 2016 you said yeah so what 10 10 months eight nine months ago so you know, I, in the big scheme of things, I, I feel decent, but there's a fear of going back on tour and just re reigniting these issues and being right back to where we started. So getting caught up in, luckily, thank God, I have pretty good health insurance. Right. Um, but... Seeing all these different doctors and, you know, I, I also have some herniated discs in my lower back. Same, same, uh, same cause, the retardness of touring. Um, (laughs) so to make a long story a little shorter, I've seen so many doctors and just been shuffled around and none of them will treat all the situations at once and, uh, I, I just got so frustrated, so I kind of started looking outside the box. Right. And uh, I guess uh, the the Josh Josh James from Stick Your Guns yep. kind of put me on this path talking about ozone injections, which is, um, I believe, I'm sorry to him if I got the story wrong, but I believe his current girlfriend maybe got in a car accident some years ago. And she got ozone injections in okay. her discs, and it, it really helped her. So I started going down this path of looking for – it's something, though, they don't really do in the United States. So I only found a few doctors that would inject right into the disc. And along my search, I came across this, this medical clinic just over the border in, in Mexico 
because a lot of the shit they do there isn't FDA approved, which is a whole nother story as to why things that are helping people in other countries that are doing really amazing things like stem cells yeah. aren't really being used in the United States, which you can look at it from sure. a lot of different perspectives. So I just said, fuck all these doctors that have been shuffling me around here. I'm going down there. I'm getting the ozone injections. I'm getting stem cells. So I currently have about 500 million stem cells in my back and neck. And, wow. uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So the, the whole experience down there was, you know, it was really crazy in a lot of different ways. One, real simply, I'm not the most outgoing type of guy. I don't like go to Starbucks and strike up conversations right. with strangers. Right. Yeah. I'm kind of the person that has my headphones on, even if I'm not listening to things, but I was, you know, I don't want to say forced, but I lived in this, uh, no, I didn't live, but I, I was in this medical clinic with all these other patients who had, you know, all varying diseases of, or varying problems. Yep. Some of them have cancer and I was just, you know, in this place for a few weeks talking to these people and having to be very social with them, which people that know me probably think that's a good thing for me to be forced <laughs> in this situation. Right. Okay. And, and I'm, you know, I'm very used to um, being outside of the United States and being surrounded by people speaking different languages. And, um, you know, so that part really didn't bother me, but dealing with different doctors that, you know, they're... Uh, main language is uh spanish and i don't really speak much spanish so i was down there getting all this treatment a lot of people obviously have been asking me how i feel yeah that's, um, that's a, how do you feel i i would say um i'm not jumping the gun i i don't i'm not like uh expecting to go down there and get some stem cells and in, injections and 43 years of damage i've done to myself yeah. is gone but um on my upper half, my my neck, I feel a lot better, and a lot of the the pain and discomfort is is a lot better, and a lot of the like post surgery tightness, and 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 again, I, I'm a little, you know, I'm the type of person that doesn't want to believe it. I want to think I'm going to wake up tomorrow and the pain's going to be back, and I I don't know if that's the right way to be thinking well, in no. a situation like this because I think not, your no. your your mind has a lot to do with this. On my yep. lower back, I have a uh, I have, I have this, my body's just such a mess. I have four discs in my lower back that are herniated, herniated, two of them, they shot a dye in and it leaked out, which means they're like broken. So on my right side, I feel completely relief on my left side. Not so much. So I have a phone call with them again uh, today. And I have uh, about two months and a week until Terror starts doing stuff again. So I feel like I'm going to go back there. And, and because it is, you know, the more stem cells, the more healing. Yeah. They also did the ozone injections. And they also do something called PRP, which is they like, it's a pain reliever. So I plan on going back there maybe two more times before we, hey, my little dog. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, we go back out and, uh, I'm very optimistic and I think, yeah. you know, it's really cool too. They also do, um, you know, they feed you three meals a day, which was all organic and a lot of it was vegan. There were some eggs and some fish, but yeah. a lot of the meals were vegan. So a big part of it is, is supplements and vitamins and eating right to get sure. your body in the ultimate healing state. 
And, uh, you know, that stuff is all just good for me, too. So what part of, what part of uh, Mexico was this in? Uh, it's in a, it's in a, you, I stayed at a, you know, they, they hook you up with a, a really nice condo right on the beach. So I was staying in Rosarito, which is near Tijuana. Okay. So and not it's, too far. It's so you lit- drove down there from LA, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. I took the train actually for yeah. the first time, which was really cool. Sure. Um, no, that's, but, that's wild, man. Yeah. The, they're, they're kind of low key too. You know, they have a lot of people that aren't really too excited about what they're doing because it takes it's going against the basic healthcare system which you know i'm sure a lot of people listening to this have their own opinions and sure well uh, i mean you i mean you didn't just go to mexico and and have them inject things without with into you without obviously doing your own due diligence and your own research and you came to this right, conclusion I, and you did it i mean it, it's a pretty amazing thing but i think it also speaks to healthcare in in america which is i mean to be for lack of a better word is pretty fucked up yeah one of the things that the one of the things that really just set off bells in my head bells of like let's do this shit was every doctor i see in the united states cannot do anything to all my issues at once because, you know, they, they're just not allowed to. Like, right. they can't say you have all these problems. Let's look at all of them. You, you have to go to these different specialists for different body parts. And they can't work with all your discs and all at so once. And it's so stupid because everything's connected. Like, oh, right. you know, you know I mean? Obviously, my lower back right. and neck are all feeding sure. off each other. Yeah. And, like, these people said, just come here for a few weeks. It's, it's crazy because when I first talked to the, the woman in charge, she said like 10 days and then I sent her all my MRIs and she's like, you're going to need a couple weeks. Wow. So it was like, ah, you see how messed up I am. So they went down there and did like, they looked at all my problems and tried to work on them all at once and keep me there. So I'm, I'm healing. Hey, sorry. Let That's me okay, shut man. my window. It's all good. So yes. Um, Damn. Ah, it's, man, it's um, pretty, exci- it's pretty exciting. So did it cost, back was, it to your first, was it expensive to do that? Uh, it wasn't cheap, but <laughs> I could, I could afford it. So, right, right. and you know, they, they were really cool too. They, they asked me for more money than I, I was willing to spend and they, they were willing to work with me and they have some outside donations and grants and stuff like that. But, but one thing too is, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty uh what's the right word i don't want to say secretive but you know the the clinic is it just looks like a house on a hill turned into <laughs> yeah. a, a clinic because they just have a lot of people that aren't real happy with what they're doing which i, I understand that you know i think anyone in underground music has always had people not not really too too uh happy with what they're doing so to me, they're kind of like the, you know the the underdog going right. against the system, right. and I, I'm cool with that. So right, that's the way you've lived your your whole adult life. <laughs> um, that's crazy. So I guess you must be excited for things to start up with terror again, and you know, feeling better on stage. Has it been a struggle with with the pain of performing? Uh, you know, I, I I think over the last let's say Terror's been a band for 14, 15 years. I think over the last half of that, so seven years or so, I've always had, like, 
I'm just old and I've just beat myself up and I just, there's, there's really not much you can do about it. So there's a good chance, you know, half the time I'm on tour, I'm feeling some sort of shit in my neck or back yeah. or even, even just, you know, the, the, the rest of my body, there isn't any like major problems, but you're always like, you know, I remember when, when we did Warp Tour, I, I couldn't not help myself from getting off these big stages and down to the, the ground area right. and then getting back up your knees just, I just have bruises all over my right. knees and legs. So I think as the front man of a band, um, I, I guess with, with Terror 2, you know, our thing isn't, you know, I know this is a, a lead singer thing and I, I'm not, quite the singer i'm more of a intense front man i think our live show and going you know full throttle is part of the attraction Absolutely. of what people like about us Absolutely. so uh unfortunately it beats you up and then all the flights and all the overnight drives and sitting in the van and then you add into the equation how much alcohol i've drank and <laughs> yeah. just to just to say oh, i can keep doing this let's just get through it with some alcohol and Sure. The end result is here. So, yeah, a lot of the times I feel pain or, or discomfort, but I don't want to say I've learned to accept it, but I guess I have learned to accept well, it. Well, you mean you really are a true lifer. I mean, it's crazy. I, I think you're 43 years old. Um, Terror, you say, been banned for 14 or 15 years. Um, obviously, I mean, I, you know, growing up in Toronto, that's where I'm from, and you're from Buffalo originally. I actually first found out about you through Buried Alive. And um, right, actually, right. actually, I believe it was your second show with Buried Alive ever. I saw you guys <laughs> play. I don't know if you remember the show. It was at the Oakville YMCA. And I, Oakville YMCA. I'm going right. to just full disclosure. Yep. My memory, like <laughs> my, my brother will be like, you know, because – me and my brother have been through so much stuff together. Yeah. He'll be like, do you remember this? And I'll be like, nope. And he'll be like, how can you not remember that? And I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know. So, well, I that's thought fine. You were, I, Go ahead. I thought you were going to say that. I thought you were going to bring up Sonic Onion. Is that the yeah, place? Yeah, Sonic the Onion. Store? That was in Hamilton. Yep. I saw you play feel, there before too. Yeah, in my head, we played there before we played Oakville. But it's possible. I, it's, again, I don't know. Well, I could be way off. I'll tell you what I remember most about about this about that show and about your band. And I was probably okay. this. I was probably seventeen or eighteen at the time. And I remember you guys loading in like actual, you know, full stack amps and all this <laughs> shit, and being like, "Who is this fucking band?" And everyone's like, "Oh, they're this new band from Buffalo." And, you know, uh, the singer used to be in despair and, you know, and uh, I'm like, oh, shit, okay. And I got to say, man, when you guys played, and I remember I was standing behind your drummer because, you know, that's where everyone that was cool had to stand, right? You had to stand behind <laughs> the band, which doesn't make any fucking sense. But, uh, well, you know. Uh, in one aspect, it makes sense if you don't want to get elbowed in the face. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, know right. I know what you're saying. Yeah, and, uh, and I'll, I'll never forget because saw you guys play and it literally was like a, a – as close to a religious experience I've ever, ever had. And um, ever yeah. since that, and, Thank it was, you. and it was crazy because then after that, you know, it wasn't like it is today where, oh, I'll fucking check out their website or, you know, whatever, <laughs> go on Spotify and listen to the band. Like, 
I, I think I got your demo tape with two songs on it, and I maybe listened to that. I maybe even have your demo tape yet. I can't remember. But it was like, when's Buried Alive coming? When can I see Buried Alive again? You know, all this shit. And then I remember reading that you guys signed to Victory and being like, this is the craziest shit ever, that this band that was like <laughs> a local band is now on Victory. And then um, still to this day, Death of Your Perfect World is still my favorite hardcore record of all time. Damn, hundred percent, my well, favorite. Re- I still listen to it all the time, and it's. I still think that record holds up. So I don't know if you have any comments on Buried Alive. I don't want to spend the whole interview fucking stroking your former ego, but um, <laughs> I just, you know, I, I really just want to talk about that band and for a minute and and what it meant to you. And obviously, like that was the band that took you from Buffalo. You know, I'm sure you toured with Despair and 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 um, uh, Slugfest, but. Buried Alive was the band, and you're like, okay, this is a real band and a real label. Like, really, that was the start of your career, right? Yeah, let me let me give you all the thoughts that I came to mind. Yes, please. Um, uh, dis- well, Despair was ending. Our last tour we ever did was with Hatebreed, and uh, this was like 95, 96, and it was just actually on that tour, Tony, Tony Victory flew out to uh, our show in California in LA and signed Hatebreed. So yeah, um, uh, it was just when Hatebreed's momentum, like I got to see like that, that whole uh, just machine of brutality just starting out. So, you know, um, Despair and Hatebreed had played some shows together and I don't know how it all came together, but me and Jamie just, booked a full U.S. tour. That was the first time I ever went to the West Coast. Um, you know, Slugfest you brought up, we just played, you know, just probably the farthest we ever played was maybe Detroit or something yeah, like right, that. Chicago, right. Not even Chicago. Yeah. So then with Despair, it was a little easier, but we still stayed on the East Coast and Midwest more. And then um, Despair's final tour with Hatebreed, we, we did the West Coast and on that tour, like I said, Tony signed Hatebreed, and he also signed Despair to a. I didn't sign us, but he he said he would do a seven inch for us. So I guess it was like a starter move. Yeah, yep. But but we had we came home from that tour. We went to Europe and we broke up. Uh, two members quit, and we just said, "Okay, fuck it." Yeah. And so when Buried Alive started, and so Despair broke up, and I remember Buried Alive was already a band without me and they were uh they were practicing the 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 four original members without me but i would hang out with them they were my friends and i would go to their practice and they kept asking me to sing and i just kept (laughs) saying no i just kept you know when you when you're in a band and you break up maybe kind of like a relationship you're not so ready to jump right back in yeah and i would i would see them practice and i was kind of torn between i was like fuck this isn't exactly the style of music that i love but it's so heavy and it's so good and i want to do it but i don't want to be in a band and basically finally i don't know how my mind broke down and i agreed to do it and uh you know and then we started practicing and you know thing i would say things came kind of easy to us but that that's that's kind of the way it should be. You know, I, I know that like 
there's this stigma attached to ex members bands and getting things handed to them, which yeah. I see. Yeah, sure. but I also see you laid that groundwork. You know, I booked bands. I had bands sleep on my floor. I met Tony before. You do this work and you become part of this community. Of course, it's going to come back to you when you right. start a band. You, in, you, I think you paid your dues in other bands, and and that makes sense. Absolutely. Right. I thought. I think that's kind of the way it works. Yeah. I don't. I don't think you should be handed the world. You still got to prove yourself and get out there and work. But yep. you know, we got the victory deal or whatever you want to call it pretty quick. But that was because we already had that relationship yeah. with Tony and and you know at the time they had all of my favorite bands. They had Blood for Blood. Yep. They had Hatebreed. They had uh, Strife. They had you yeah. know all these great bands. So at the time, that's really a, a great place to be for a hardcore band. So, um, you know, we, you know, my, my memory of buried alive is mostly doing these weekends with reach the sky from Boston yeah, and all, all, all out war from yeah, Poughkeepsie war, or yeah, wherever yeah. we'd play with those bands all the time. And to be perfectly honest, most of the shows were 75 kids, maybe a hundred yeah, kids. Yeah. And, um, the scene was just a little bit smaller then. And none of those three bands, all out war reached the sky or buried alive were these like super hype bands or these flash in the pan bands. We would just go out there and play shows and it was cool. And, and, uh, we did some cool tours. We did a, we did one of our last tours was with, uh, VOD Candiri and Scarhead. That was one that I'll never forget. Uh, what, what else did we do? No, it's cool. But I, but, I mean, like the, the legacy, though, that you left behind with that band. And, and I mean, it's a little bit similar. I mean, obviously, let's let's not kid ourselves. It's not quite on this level. But, you know, I was talking to Dennis from Refuse on the show a few months ago. And he said, you know, they put out Shape of Punk to Come and no one really liked it. And they <laughs> broke up. And then, you know, uh, you know, Refused was done. He'd already was in a new band. And then everyone's all of a sudden like, oh, shit, like this record's awesome. This is amazing. And you see these things grow. And, 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 and Dennis is like, the shows were getting smaller. Like we're talking about playing to like 50 kids, you know, 40 kids. And then they, they come back and they're doing these massive things. So like, is it ever crazy for you when you hear like a guy like me or, or other people say, oh my God, Buried Alive, like what a band when you're just like, I don't know, like, <laughs> it wasn't really yeah. that big at the time. Yeah, it, it definitely wasn't. Uh, I, I, I'll be perfectly honest with you, um, or something I really haven't talked to many people about. Um, the end of Buried Alive kind of went down kind of sh- in a shitty way yeah. for everyone. Um, out of respect to the other guys, uh, you know, I, I had an opinion and I kind of saw things going a different way yeah. and I kind of just didn't like it. And I, like, uh, I was kind of, and still have, you know, I kind of have an asshole side to me where I'm very opinionated and, and really, uh, cut and dry about what I think is right. And I didn't like the way things were going. And, uh, we did this last tour with death threat. And I came home and quit, and I said, "Fuck this," and just moved. Yeah, and, uh, that's right, because you moved I, from Buffalo I, to to L.A., right? Or was it Arizona? Uh, 
it was to get to LA, but we, we, me and my girlfriend at the time, we, we moved in, we lived in Arizona for right. maybe six months, yeah. but it just, it ended in a shitty way. And, yeah. and I, I think I had a bad taste in my mouth and I think those guys had a bad taste in my mouth in their mouth about how it ended. And I, uh, I had always kind of had this negative thought about that band because of that. Crazy. Um, yeah. I would say February of last of 2016, I, I, I did this like new band project band called world be free. And yep, we played yeah, in Buffalo. Yeah. We played in Buffalo with judge, which was, that's sick. It was great, but it was so fucking bizarre being there because Every member of Despair was there. Every member of Buried Alive was there. All these people that, you know, because, you know, Terror plays in Buffalo once a year, twice a year. I yep. There's a handful of old friends and people that still come to the shows. And I'm not saying these people there were, for, were there for World Be Free, but with Judge, it just brought yeah. out so many older people. So for me to be there, I would just walk around and say hi to all these people and look at people and be like, I know I fucking know you, but I don't fucking remember who you are. <laughs> so it was this bizarre experience. And But one of the wonderful things was it got me in a room with everyone from Buried Alive. The, the drummer, Jesse, I've had a, a good relationship with. Yeah, but drummer. the other guys I really had, yeah, he's got a wild style. So... um me and the the other dudes, um, basically Joe and Matt, the guitarist and bass player, hadn't talked in, I don't know how long, 15 years, whatever, 20 years. Yeah. So we had like, you know, we talked and, and since then we've kept in touch and I don't want to say there's going to be a Buried Alive show tomorrow. Well, dude, but, if there's a Buried Alive show in fucking China, I'll fly there, dude. I mean, <laughs> like, I, I mean, wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I'll say this. Those guys... Uh, the three of them, Jesse, Matt, and Joe, because Scott, the other guitar player, lives out here in L.A. Yeah. Those guys are getting together and jamming sometimes, and I'm not saying they're just jamming Buried Alive stuff every day, but uh, if there was ever going to be a Buried Alive show again, it, it would be uh, sometime in the near future, meaning the next couple of years, because well, be very uh, cool. Very cool. that band ended shittily, and, and I'm not, you know, I've, uh, how do I say this? I've resisted the reunion thing, yeah. but um, talking to those guys and, and getting uh, becoming friends with them again has made me go back and listen to the... I, I probably hadn't listened to The Death of Your Perfect World in 15 years. <laughs> wow. And, and I, I'm not the type of dude to toot my own horn, but it's pretty powerful. And it's a pretty cool record. So we, we will see what happens. As a year ago, I would say it's never going to happen. Now yep. I'd say, let's see what happens. Well, that's the cool thing about, about growing up and, and, you know, people change. But a lot, of time, a lot of times the core of who people are stays the same. And you can still find that connection. And that's, that's a really cool thing. I, that's, wow, that's, that's amazing. I, I really hope that you can make that happen. So we got to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Loot Crate. But we'll be right back with Scott Vogel of Terror. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... 
Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Are you on a quest for epic gear, housewares, and collectibles? Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture items for less than $20 a month. Whether you're shopping for the geek in your life or you are that geek, Loot Crate is the best surprise you know is coming. Every month there's a different theme and new exclusive items you can only get with Loot Crate. Treat yourself every month or give the gift of geeking out to a friend or loved one. That's right. Loot Crate is really, really rad. We've been, they've been a sponsor of the show for a few months now. Uh, they've been sending me these boxes. They're awesome, man. Like uh, The different theme every month is really cool. Uh, they did one with classics uh, where they had this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like a little shot glass. Uh, I got a Mario shirt. I got a reprint of the original Superman comic, and they send they sent me this little Ninja Turtles pin, like enamel pin, which is super rad too. So you really should sign up. It's less than twenty bucks a month. You get four to six items, and the stuff is always really really cool. And this um, month they have a pretty cool theme too. Uh, it's called Build. And um, it's, you know, all the stuff that you like to build. So roll up your sleeves and get ready to celebrate some of pop culture's most put-together, see what they did there? Franchises. February's hands-on theme is Build and features Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Batman, Lego Dimensions, and Tetris. Love Tetris. And always, our monthly t-shirt and pin. So today is the 13th, my birthday. Uh, Happy birthday to me. Uh, if you want to give me a birthday present, you know what? Just get yourself a birthday present and get a loot crate, will ya? But here's how it works. You have until the 19th of February, February 19th, at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive this month's crate, which is the build crate. And when that cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So get on it fast. You got six days to sign up. And then make sure you head over to lootcrate.com slash leadsinger and enter promo code LEADSINGER to save $3 off any new subscription today. Again, that is lootcrate.com slash LEADSINGER and enter promo code LEADSINGER. Um, so let's talk about Terror. Obviously, you have an amazing career. Uh, I think, now let me ask you if you can remember this. Was your first show with Terror, was it at Hellfest? No, 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 no. That was the not first your first sh- show? No, but I remember that show. The The first show with Terror. I wish that would be. I was at cool. that. I was at that show. <laughs> Hellfest. That was two thousand and three or uh, two. I think it was two thousand two. I think it was oh two. Our first show with Terror was in a tiny little warehouse in Ventura, California, probably to about eighty kids. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I remember that Hellfest though. Um, I remember walking around that Hellfest and the the Terror. One of our the. The image from our demo, that it's like a black and white image with an eagle. Yeah. I remember walking around there and seeing so many people in bands wearing that shirt. And I was uh, like, you know, obviously that makes you feel good. And I was like, damn, maybe we got something here. Because yeah. every band I've, I had done before Terror would put out a record or maybe a seven inch and an album and break up. And then sure, with- that's the way it was. And it's just, it was really defeating because as soon as you caught some momentum and, you know, instead of getting $50, you were getting $200 a show, (laughs) which, which means a lot. Yeah. It would always break up. And I attribute a lot of that to myself. You know, I'm, I, I think with, with terror, I learned from my mistakes and even, you know, the first couple of years of terror, I learned from my continual mistakes 
of just being this ultra control freak, ultra, we gotta, every show. Like, I remember be, being in the van and getting a flat tire and being like, if this show doesn't happen, we're gonna, we're gonna break up. We're never gonna come back from this. And now it's right. just like, relax, man. It's gonna <laughs> be fine. So I think a lot of those, uh, you know, they, they, the bands break up from other reasons, whether someone gets a girlfriend and they stop caring about the right. band or someone gets a job or someone goes to college or someone just doesn't give a shit about hardcore anymore. But it also had a lot to do with me being a fucking psycho, uh, con- like I said, control freak. So yep. luckily with terror, somehow, some way it's lasted this long. <laughs> Yeah, but no, no Hellfest was not our first show. Okay. <laughs> the the um it's funny you bring up a good point about how back, you know, when we were growing up and some of our, you know, first bands it was like hardcore wasn't there were no like long-term hardcore bands. Like I can think of a handful like someone like Sick of It All. But even at that right. point when we were kids, Sick of It All hadn't been together that long. You know what I mean? Um and it's kind of crazy now to think about that because, like I said, you know, mo- all my favorite bands growing up, hardcore bands, they pretty much put out two records and they broke up. Two records and right. they broke up. You know, everyone from Gorilla Biscuits to like, fuck, um, uh, what was that band on Victory? Gray Area. Like, you know, there's a lot of great bands that they was just lifetime. They just they broke up. So some bands, some bands, you wished they put out two records and broke up. <laughs> well, I, I got to say, Terror, you guys have put out a lot of good records. You've been very consistent. But how is that for you, being 43 years old um, and kind of being the same guy in a lot of ways, doing the same thing you've been doing? You know, you said at the very beginning of the interview, like being middle-aged and acting like a fucking kid. <laughs> How is that for you? And is it is there ever like is it ever like a double edged sword where you're like, in some ways I love hardcore, hardcore is the most important thing in my life, but also maybe there's other things I've missed out on? Is that something that goes through your mind ever? Uh I mean there's a lot of ways to look at it. One one thing is um I definitely know that doing the touring thing for so long, it, it really, it really cuts you off from the rest of the world. Like my, my family relationship is, is I think so much different than what it would be yeah. if I just stayed in Buffalo and, you know, worked whatever job and went to all these family events. And I'm so very removed from my family. And I think that was uh kind of a, calculated move on my part I, I didn't have the best relationship with my mother or father and uh removing myself from buffalo and also on top of that okay it's it's christmas time is scott gonna come home right. uh, it's really e- easy for me to say no I, i'm uh on tour or i just yeah. got off tour or, or whatever it just gave me that at least in my head it gave me a valid excuse whether they saw it as i know exactly what you're doing um, so that's really removed. And then also, you know, with, it, with, um, relationships, you know, I've never been married. I have no kids. Yes. I think uh, most people my age, if they didn't have that whole touring thing that it's really hard to be in a touring band and, and to be a good boyfriend or whatever, Wh- whether that means you're faithful or whether that means you're there for the person when they get home from work and had a shitty day. 
you're just not there. Yeah. And if if you're in Australia, you're on a different day, not even just a different time. It's a different. You're day. on yep. a different day, and it's just you know. So that that's one way you look at it. Um, I also can say on the negative side, you know, I I uh, I I think. Being in hardcore for since nineteen, the you know, I'll, I'll say nineteen eighty-seven. How long is yeah. that? Ninety-seven to thirty years. <laughs> yeah. So my brain, my brain still thinks about certain things in the scene, or a little ethics, or or the way things should be, or the way bands work. I still think about the way things were taught to me. But I'm dealing with with kids and bands and promoters and things that have totally come from a different world. Yeah. So when I want to, like, you know, jump down someone's throat or talk shit or, or whatever, I've realized, hey, man, like you're from a total different world. Maybe you need to check yourself and these people aren't doing things wrong. You're just doing things from a different, you know, mindset. And it, it's not yeah. to say that I'm wrong or they're right, but you just got to kind of remember we're talking many, many, many years where things have evolved and changed. Yeah. Well, that's it. But then, go ahead, go ahead. Go, but then I want to say on a positive note, because everything I just said was negative, I haven't worked for anyone. And pretty much my, you know, I've had jobs. I've, I drove a cab in Buffalo. I telemarketed in Buffalo. I've had jobs, but I've never had a real job where I have to answer to anyone. And in the last 15 years, I haven't answered, you know, I haven't had a job. <clears throat> I've been around the world fucking countless times. I've been to Japan five times. I've been to Australia five times. Yeah. I've been to Europe like 30 times. I've been to, you know, all these places yeah. I could keep naming off. And I have a, a really, really great life. But when you get to be 40, you know, like, like I haven't, I haven't played a show now in, uh, six months. <clears throat> so I have my friends hitting me up like, dude, are you losing your mind? I'm like, fuck. No, I love being home. Great. It's not, That's it's great. not great for, for my bank account, but <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love being home. And, and I think, 10 years ago, if you would have told me you're not going to play a show for six months, my head would have exploded. Like I have to, yeah. but right now I'm, I finally come to this point and, uh, I've, I've just, I think everyone in terror, like when we knew we were going to have this break because of my health issues, I think everyone was a little weird, wary, Blech. but yeah. yep. you know, talking to everyone everyone is loving it so it's yeah. like no rush to get back out there well the thing is is like is sometimes you need that break too you know and then and then next time you know you say you flew to europe 30 times it's it's true like you know a lot of people like i talked to a friend that goes over to europe it's like oh i go to this city and this city and like it, it, i feel like a bit of a dick when i'm kind of yawn, yawning in the back of my head being like yeah like germany what's the big fucking deal i've been you know <laughs> i've been there a million times it's you know um, but people get excited, but it is true. Like if you don't play a show for a while, if you don't go here for a while, you're like, Oh man, like I've missed this. Like it really does kind of ignite that fire again. Yeah. When I, when, you know, I, I love going to shows. I go to shows all the time when I'm home, like anywhere. 
So the only time when I really get that, and it might be my competitive itch, when I see a band on stage, whether I think they're just going through the motions or they're ripping it up, that's when I'm like, ah, fuck, give me the the mic, get me up there. But other than that, I'm like, I do not need to be sitting in a van right now with the dude next to me coughing on me because he's sick or in some dirty backstage, you know, like, I I don't want to say that I'm so over it because I'm not. Yep. And I love touring. I love terror. I love playing shows. It does get sad when you're sitting in your room and you just packed your bag because you're going to Japan and you're like, fuck, man, I don't want to do this where everyone else is writing you. Oh, dude, you're going to Japan tomorrow. You must be so psyched. And yeah, you, of course, yeah. right. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, I'm so lucky. But you're in the back of your head. You're like, motherfucker, I just want to watch the Super Bowl. I don't want to go to Japan right now, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can fucking 100 percent relate to that. And that's. That's a good thing to bring up on this podcast. That's that's something that we don't always talk about. Is that that whole? It's sad, man. It, it is. It can be sad, and and getting older too. Like I'm turning 36 next month, you know, and I'm the same as you. I I've never been married. I don't have any children. Um, you know, I'm single. It's it's um, there is sort of an existence where you're like, you know, you do something and it's so awesome, and you're like, huh. I don't really have anyone to share this with. You know what I mean? I have good friends, and I have you know, I have. I have a good relationship with my my family, but at the same time, like, it can be a bit of a lonely existence, you know. I uh, I uh, this is kind of this is kind of crazy, but I've made a conscious effort over the last couple of years to try to be more uh, going back to Buffalo more. I I uh, stay. I live with my mom and my two sisters up until like. Eh, sixth grade yeah and then she moved to houston so i moved in with my dad so i lived with him for like seventh and eighth grade in high school and um as soon as i got out of high school i got kicked out of my house lived on my own and at that point my my relationship with my mom had been strained because for lack of a better getting into a deeper she kind of just dropped me off at my dad's and moved yeah, to Houston right and then you know my my dad I don't want to put him down but he's not the the easiest guy to get along with so I, when I was out of high school like I said I really separated myself and then moving to California and then going on tour so over the you know last couple of years I I've really made an effort to go back more and I even stayed at my dad's house overnight which was a little bit strange to be in this house that I was in for yeah. so long. And, yeah. um, but what I was getting at was my mother remarried. So my st- stepbrother, he recently got married. This was about, I don't know, a year ago or a year and a half. I don't know how long it was. Let's yes. say a year ago. So my mom wrote me, your two sisters are coming the four of us haven't been together in so long. <clears throat> Could you please come to this wedding? Sure. So I went to the wedding and I saw my cousins who I used to see all the time. And they were like children. And now they are like married with children. And I hadn't seen them in like so long. And it was, first of all, super over- overwhelming. 
Yeah. That like I you know, I could still see their faces as children, yeah, but I hadn't seen them in so long and now yeah. they're adults and they're like acting as adults, but in my mind they're like these kids and they're like it was so bizarre and overwhelming and at the same time it was so sad for me to 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 you know, for whatever way you want to slice it, I right. I chose this. I chose to stay away and now I'm here and it was it was it was really sad. Well, it was man. great too. I'm glad I did it, and it was the first step in being back in this in this family situation. But yeah. it was it was just hard. So your cousins were you close when you were children? Like were they into music too? Were they into hardcore or anything? They were so young. They were kids. Okay. They were so like they were children. But I didn't want to bring this up because it's kind of corny. But they were like. Oh my God! Let me take a picture with you, my friend. And, and, and anyone listening to this, most people know that Terror isn't this huge band, and I'm not this rock dude. But they were like, "Let me take this picture with you. I want to show my friends that you're you're actually my cousin. No oh. one believes me." And I'm like, "Oh fuck! That's like such a compliment and slap at the face in the face right. at the in same, the same time. sentence." Yeah. <laughs> no, that's crazy. Oh, wow, that that is that is crazy. And you know, you say you're not this big rock dude you're not this whatever people that know you i gotta say man you do have like scott vogel is you have a reputation everybody knows you in hardcore everybody knows you know i don't i don't want to know what that means well hey well here okay here's one thing you you must know about vogelisms i do and that's a girl from it it was a girl from toronto i don't know if you know that that came up with that term well there was a website Oh, Vogelisms.com. I, didn't, I didn't know there was a website. I didn't know their website. I just have heard people people talk about it and and some of the things that you've said on stage, which is like you know <laughs> half ridiculous, half hilarious. And yeah. I want to ask you about that. What, what like where does that shit come from? Because I, I remember one time I saw you. I think you said 2005 hardcore still alive. If you feel me. Let's see a stage dive. Like that's a direct <laughs> quote. And like, <laughs> um, let, I'll give you my whole breakdown on that. Give, give it thing. to me. A alcohol. Okay. I've been known to go on stage very drunk, so I think that feeds into it. But that's not the only thing. I think also, um, and there's the whole stage dive thing that's attached to to maybe me or Tara. Yep. In the early 2000s, we had a terrible, terrible vibe at our shows of so much violence, so many fights. Yeah. And it was it was horrible. And it was not what our band was about. And it was really self-defeating and detrimental to everything we were trying to do. Like bands didn't want to take us on tour. Clubs didn't want to have us. People didn't want to come to our shows. And I don't blame any of them. Yeah. There was a time when when there was a terror show, there was fights and it was horrible and we we really tried uh, a lot of different ways to to get that that away from us and you know I can say now looking back that 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 shit doesn't happen at our shows anymore thank God and it was just a time and place of how the scene was and I, I really feel like being a bigger hardcore band that we were. And playing that ultra hard mosh music, yeah, I feel like we drew different types of kids, and 
unfortunately, when you get different types of kids, there's some sort of conflict, which is sad yeah. because the whole point of the scene is getting outside people. You don't want to just play to the same people. You want to, you know, everyone comes from somewhere yeah. and you get these, these new kids and that's the whole spirit of this. And then they get punched in the face and they'll, then the last thing they want to do is come to another hardcore show. And that's just stupid. Yep. So, um, I feel like somewhere along the way, I said to myself, man, if we don't focus so much on the show being this ultra hard mosh beat ass beating thing, and we get more of a stage dive vibe and maybe act a little goofier, then it will maybe take that edge off. Yeah. The, 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 the violent edge off the show. So right. put that in with some alcohol and me acting like an idiot and <laughs> really wanting people to move up and stage dive instead of stand in the back and get elbowed in the jaw. That's kind of maybe one way we got away from all that, that violence. And, but I will say when the vogalism thing became a term and I found out about the website. Yeah. If people enjoyed it, it just totally stopped me from saying that stuff. Because uh, yeah, on, yeah. On, on one end, it's semi-flattering, but on the other end, it's idiotic. And I didn't want the show to, you know, because I take terror seriously. I'm known to say serious things, and I didn't want the folks to show the show to be what dumb thing is he going to say? Right, they're coming and, for and, some kind of comedy. Yeah, right, right. I get right. that. And, and like with the website, when I saw it, my initial reaction was like, oh, let's take this thing's got to go away. It's just stupid. And I wrote it and it was a it was a girl in Toronto and she replied being like, hey, I love your band and this is just cool. And I'd really like you to reconsider me. If you really hate it, I'll take it down. Yeah. And I was just like, all right. Go ahead, whatever. <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. That's no, I, I like that. Thanks for the explanation. Uh, <laughs> like another thing too is like um, the ethics of hardcore and and all that shit. It it really has changed, and you you touched on it for a second. Um, I know, obviously, like when we go back to Buried Alive, like that whole record is about is about veganism and about animal rights, and there's a lot of political overtones, and that's continued into Terror's music, but. How have you seen that stuff change and like and like where is your stance on it? Have you mellowed out on stuff as you've gotten older? Is that stuff still important to you? Like what's kind of your whole take there? Well, I'm I'm not vegan anymore. Like I said I had fish and eggs yeah. the other week. Yeah. Um I think you know it, go, it goes along with what I was saying and and I guess that I'm not the best judge on this because obviously I'm not, I'm not vegan anymore. I think the whole scene has really as where one time, you know, being living in Buffalo, Syracuse was so close and Syracuse for a time in the, the, the mid nineties yeah. was like this Mecca of hardcore, like Water's such a crisis, small city. Obviously. I mean, right. And they were obviously very, militant vegan yep. and you would just go to shows and it would be lots of fanzines tables with you know literature yep there'd be uh lots of debating in between bands where people would just be debating each other with a crowd of people around them 
there would be lots of bands on stage talking in between songs. And it was, it was beautiful. I loved it. And, yeah. and, you know, I remember my, one of my, one of my good friends that I've known forever, one of my best friends in Syracuse that I've known for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. I don't even know how long. Uh, it's funny because he was ultra vegan. He did a, a zine called Hate Fanzine and it was all about fucking smashing fur, fur stores and yeah. all this shit. And, um, he, I, I, I don't know if he said it to me or wrote a review and he's, he had this thing like, I, I did a fanzine called Living Fanzine. I've never been straight edge. I, I you know, I would no. go to those shows in Syracuse and smoke weed outside, <laughs> and which which uh, which uh, was probably a lot of not people didn't do that. But no. I, I had a fanzine called Living Fanzine, and I had a, a an ad in it for the raid. Maybe I think it's called Words of War Seven Inch. So a, a really militant hardline band. I had an ad for their record in my zine. Yeah. He was pissed off that my non straight edge zine had this ad in it, which wow. still doesn't compute in my head. It's no. like I listen to Murphy's Law and I listen to Raid because I love hardcore, and I would go to those shows and I would sing along to Earth Crisis really straight edge lyrics that. You know, I obviously wasn't backing up in my life, but yeah. the energy and intensity and how much that urgency, it's, it hit me. And if someone has a problem with that, that between them and themselves, yeah. because I'm, again, I love Murphy's Law. I love Earth Crisis, which are two opposite ends of the spectrum, but hardcore that has, has energy and a vibe to it and it hits me. I'm into it. So. That whole thing, maybe that I just explained, it doesn't really exist too much today. No, a lot it of bands, it really doesn't. A lot of bands' lyrics are kind of vague and just maybe talking about relationships or yep. how hard the world is. And I, I wonder if the world is really hard on a lot of these people. Um, <laughs> you know, Zine, there's still a, 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 there's still a little Zine underworld. I, I still make a Zine at 43. And I, I get people writing me on Instagram like, you want to do a zine trade? And I'm like, fuck yeah, you. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's, it really is a lost, it really has been lost. And I don't know when it started happening. Probably the internet was, was when it started to go away. When people started doing blogs, which, you know, they, instead of doing physical zines. And then after a while, there just was no presence at shows because nobody's got their like a computer with their blog on it to read, you know what I mean? Right. And then all of a sudden they're just, it's gone. And then no one's, no one's promoting stuff. Like, I, I mean, I've been vegetarian for, I don't know, 17 or 18 years. And, and the reason that I'm vegetarian is because I went to hardcore shows and that's how I found out about it. And there was a fur protest in Oakville, Ontario, where I grew up every week, every weekend we would go to the fur protest and that just doesn't right. happen anymore. And I just, yeah, I just wanted your take on it. You know, so, I, you know, I do, I do think those things still happen, but the the hardcore scene is just not attached to it, no. which is is kind of sad. And I, I gotta blame myself. It's like everything I look at in hardcore when I say, "Man, it sucks that this happens." Man, it sucks when that that shit doesn't happen anymore. Man, it sucks. This is the way it is. Some in some way, I blame myself because I watched it all happen and watched it all change. It's not right. like I could control everything. 
But in some ways, I watched it all change, and I'm to blame. And uh, in some ways, you know, you just have to accept that, like I was saying earlier, it's it's 30 years later. It evolves, yep. and yep. technology is such a big thing now. Kid, kids aren't going to make a zine. They're going to make a blog because that's what yep. they know. Yep, and so. I, in, in some ways, I try to accept that. In some ways, you know, uh, along... Along my path of, of of hardcore, you know, and sometimes I've been outspoken and said, I think this band's full of shit and I think this yeah. band's this. But in some ways, I, I kind of have to take a step back and say, first of all, it's not a really good look being a middle-aged man starting these little petty beefs. Right. Old man Vogel. And, yeah. You know, you don't right. want to get that reputation. Yeah. Sure. And I also think, hey, man, like you're not the judge and jury stop being so self-righteous stop right. being so judgmental and maybe be happy that you're in a band 15 years later and still traveling the world and people still care about you and maybe try to sit in that like positive place instead of like seeing these bands and crossing my arms and being like they're full of shit fuck them i got i gotta i gotta judge them like you know that's that's not a good look and that's not a good uh that's not a good energy so you know i've i've done these things and said things that uh, that are you You've know you made your amends too though right i mean like like i remember the ghost inside thing and and everything and you know um you made your amends right and i mean that's that's a big part of being a person is is like admitting when you're wrong you know and and being accepting to changing your mind yeah and uh, I, I'm not going to say what I said about the ghost inside was wrong. I still stand behind it a hundred percent. Yeah. But I do say I look at it from a different, different point of view, a not such judgmental point of view and not a place where I'm the person to judge them. And on top of that, you know, me, me and vigil talked face to face and said what we had to say and then spent a whole summer on warp tour saying hello to each other, yep. hanging out when, when the opportunity, you know, me and him aren't exactly the same type of person. So I, when he's going to gamble, I'm going to do something else. So it's not like we were best friends whole, you know, hanging out every day, but we did spend a lot of time together. And I think that's, what's important. And I think, you know, he probably took away from what I said, probably said to himself, hmm, I wonder why he's saying this. Okay, yeah. this, this, and this. And I took away what I just said. There Stop being such a right. judgmental asshole and be happy with what I have. So <laughs> I think I think that's the way you got to look at that's it. That's great, man. Well, thank you uh, so much. I got a couple more things I want to talk, talk to you, but I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Somebody told me you might be starting a podcast. Is that true? <laughs> who the f- Oh, I know who must have told you that. Um, you can give me a maybe. Well, you don't have to go into details. <laughs> I've got this idea in my head. I've got to say Jordan, our guitarist, who lives in Toronto also. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He turned me on to podcasts. What was? What did he get me into? Whatever he got me into, maybe the Josta Show and Bill yep. Burr. Yep. I was just saying yesterday, yesterday I, I finished up doing some vocals for a new Terra 7-inch, and we went out and got some food after and people were talking about music and I was like, dude, I don't even fucking listen to music anymore. 
Nothing. All I listen <laughs> to is podcasts. Yeah. Like constantly, whether I'm in my house doing something, going for a walk in my car, all I listen to is podcasts. And in the hardcore realm, there's the Josta show, which yeah. really concentrates on industry. Yep. Um, there is Ray Harkins does his thing where he yeah. talks about people's of lives. Of course. I mean, and, Turned, Out Punk, Turned Out a Punk is a great show, too. Right. That focuses on people's lives. Yep. Hoya from Madball does a podcast, which I really like. Which he kind of, which kind of just goes wherever it goes. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to do. I, I have this thing where I'm on tour, and I see what kids, whether they're old or young, like to talk about hardcore. Whether that be old seven inches, the best Craig a headband. This band put out a fucking awesome first record, and their second record was such a bum out. Right. Be- best live band you ever saw. And I don't really know any podcasts where it's just people talking about how fucking cool hardcore is. No, I, I and, can't think and, of a of a exclusively hardcore podcast. I think you would be be perfect to be the host of that. So I have this idea because I would just I would find the people that do this, and then when you know after load in, I would get around them. I'd be like, all right, let's fucking talk core, yeah. and just wherever it went, and through you know just talking about such like stupid things like Sammy from some from judge. He was in project X. He was in youth yeah. today. He was in rival schools. He was in gorilla biscuits. What's, what's his best band. So you start talking about that. Everyone has a different opinions and then just cool stories. Like, absolutely. No. You know, like some they just flow out. Man, so like it's, it's some of those guys have been through so much shit. They've seen, you know, cause let's be honest. Once you start touring in buses and bandwagons and shit, life gets a lot less interesting. So when you hear those stories, <laughs> right? And like and everyone's on their phones in the dressing room all day long fucking posting on Instagram and Snapchat. Those aren't the stories you want to hear. It's the stories about like, yeah, I want to hear uh, about Gorilla Biscuits touring, you know, like in the, right. in the late and, 80s. And That's what I want to hear. In 1989. About. Right. That's right. That's what I fucking want to hear about. So I think that would be fantastic, Scott. Um <laughs> Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, man. Well, so good to have you. Uh, one last question. With the name Terror, you guys ever have trouble traveling <laughs> with fucking Terror screened on all your guitar cases when you go through the airport? Yeah, it's 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 not the best band name for crossing <laughs> borders. And I, I played drums in this band called Fade Away from Buffalo back in the in like the early '90s for a little bit. So whenever someone asked me oh you're like you know whenever i have to write musician or oh you're in a band what's it called i just go to fade away that's my (laughs) go-to i never because when you say terror it just yeah people don't know what to make of it yeah and when you roll through the airport with all your guitars with terror on them and you have a duffel bag full of hundreds of terror shirts and terror stickers (laughs) yeah it's it's not good yeah well when you came up with I the band B- name, it wasn't, I don't know, it was probably before two th- uh, September 11, 2001, so uh, it wasn't quite a thing yet, you know? Um, but, I know Beattie from Hatebreed, the bass player of Hatebreed, had a uh, a problem at the Canadian, you know, the beautiful Canadian-U.S. border yeah, where no he, had a terror, he had a terror shirt, so it's really not the best name for that, but it's an abrasive name, you know, terror to me doesn't mean t- 
terrorism. No, Terror to no. me can be like watching someone fall out of a fucking tree and break yeah. their arm. Well, so you should just re you should just re uh, <laughs> re, uh, re uh, uh, spray paint your cases with fade away on them. <laughs> yeah, that would be. Smart <laughs> You'll know move. what it is. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's great, man. Well, hey, Scott, thank you so much um, for doing this, taking the time, and uh, all the best with the recovery. I hope the stem cells and and the ozone shots and everything uh, do some great great uh, stuff for you. I appreciate that very much. Can I say one last thing? Please. <laughs> Do you know um, Andrew from Comeback Kid? Very well, yes. Well, I don't know if it's it's probably the Canadian ass, accent, but you sound so much like him. Do I sound like, like him? Th- yeah. I think so. Well, it's funny because... Maybe three three times on this when you're talking, I'm like, holy shit, he sounds just like Andrew. That's, you know, it's kind of <laughs> weird because he's from Winnipeg and I'm from yep. Toronto. And I, I never really had much of a strong Canadian accent, but, and I guess, I guess Goose doesn't really either, but a lot of the guys in his band, band definitely do. Like Jeremy definitely does. He sounds super Canadian. Um, but you know, like it's, it's the same with anywhere. Like you don't sound very Buffalo anymore and it's just from traveling around, you lose your accent. Right. You know? I get the, 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 some people out here, like especially my friend Dre and Martine, the two brothers. Yeah. From Dre, uh, Dre's the singer of Donnybrook and Martine's in Terror and Donnybrook. Whenever I say like car or far, they're always making fun of me. Like, you sound so Buffalo. And I'm like, I do not. But yeah. I guess, I guess I do. No, it's a weird thing. And then like, but like Keith from Etid still sounds super Buffalo. Like he still says, <laughs> you know, we're going to put on a good show. You know, he still has that. <laughs> And um, and and a lot of singers, I think it's just from talking on stage to people. You don't want to sound, you know what I mean. So you, over time, you don't even mean to do it, but your accent just goes away. But uh, yeah, I mean, me and Goose both live in Toronto. Andrew, I don't, know, I call him Goose, but um, yeah, and, and he's a guy I need to have on the show actually. So thanks for reminding me. Get the goose. I gotta get him. All right, my friend. Thanks yep. for having me. Have All a best. great day. You too, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, cheers. So there it is, my conversation with Mr. Scott Vogel of Terror. So many crazy things. I mean, we talked about him going to Mexico for the surgery is so wild. I wish him all the best with that. But man, a possible Buried Alive reunion would be absolutely insane. Um, Buried Alive really is my favorite hardcore band of all time. Death of Your Perfect World is my favorite hardcore record ever. Um, I swear it was their second show they played in Oakville, Ontario. At least that's what everybody said. And they really, really did blow my mind when they set up these <laughs> Mesa Boogie full stacks and they had rack tuners. And, and that drummer, man, he was like, I remember him being like kind of like a punk rock guy, a kind of a punk rocker playing drums in this hardcore band. And it was like really, really awesome how he's playing so fast. And yeah, I got that demo tape, the Bear to Live demo tape. And then every time they rolled through anywhere near me, I was going to see them, and it really sucks because they did, they only basically put out one record, um, and then they did a kind of like a live record slash compilation thing uh, when they broke up called Last Rites. But definitely go check out Death of Your Perfect World. Um, I'm going to leave you with two Buried Alive songs, actually. Um, I'm going to leave you with the first track from Death of Your Perfect World. It's called Watching You Die. I'll play that one first, and then I'm going to play what I think is maybe their biggest song, which is called Kill Their Past. Thank you very much, everybody, again, for listening to this. Make sure you're subscribed. 
You don't want to miss some of the episodes and some of the guests we have coming up are so rad. Some people with amazing stories, some some really big guests. And if you like the show, obviously we have the All Access Club. We have those things. We have the Amazon affiliate link. If you buy something on Amazon, go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. Just use that link. Um, but really, I think the best way you can help this thing grow is just tell a friend. If you have a friend that likes hardcore, if you have a friend that... Um, you know, is interested in, in any kind of, you know, music at all, especially, you know, punk rock, hardcore, metal, whatever, um, tell them about the show and, you know, send them a link to this and say, hey, you should check this out. And hopefully that way, you know, we can spread it around and make this thing grow even bigger. So thanks again, everybody. We'll see you next Monday. I'm going to go eat a shitload of food and get really drunk because it's my birthday and I'm allowed. It's the one day a year where I'm allowed. Thanks a lot. Here's a couple Buried Alive tracks. Peace and love. Don't die.